I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man! We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to Yes, if you win by one, you've oh, won. The throne went over the side of the first. It's time to destroy the I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week, with increasing urgency, I ask the question... What the fuck is going on? It might drag on for a while, but surely we're in the last crazy days now. The next stage is that Michael Gove will assure us the government is united while he's firing an air rifle at Liz Truss as she comes out of Downing Street, but she'll be saved from the bullet as she rushes back inside because Grant Shapps has balanced a bucket of pig blood on the door that tips all over her. On Sunday, she spent all day making comments such as, we must cut the top rate of tax, it's essential, nothing will prevent me, nothing. Three hours later, she said she wasn't doing it after all, as it was a distraction from other important things she had to do, such as cutting benefits to the disabled. Because it's the disabled who have taken all the money with their dialysis machines designed by Ferrari and their Gucci walking frames. And once we've stopped that, we could have growth. She's so determined to give us growth that in one day she reduced the pounds to its lowest ever level. Maybe she suffers from one of those conditions called confused reverse growth shrinking disorder, which means she gets bigger and smaller mixed up. Quasi Quarting described this day as turbulent and now he insists it all turned out all right because the pound is stable again and all it took was 65 billion pounds to repair the damage they did it's like al-qaeda walking around the site of the twin towers and saying well it was turbulent for a day but it was all rebuilt now so what was all the fuss about so liz truss's speech was all about her plans to destroy the anti-growth coalition. I can't remember the exact words, but it was something like, we could build 20 million houses on the English Channel, but anti-growth green regulations have banned building on the sea. We could turn criminals into donkeys like they do in a Japanese cartoon I saw, but the anti-growth European Court of Human Rights says it's impossible to make someone become a drawing. We could get our energy from building a giant candle out of earwax collected from people on benefits, but the anti-growth rail unions will refuse to transport it. For most of her speech, she sounded like a disturbed seven-year-old. She blamed people who live in townhouses in North London for destroying growth. And I expected her to carry on. So I am going to build a Godzilla to tread on their townhouses. So poo. It's as if they've all accidentally got the job of running the country. In the same way someone might wander into a hospital and by mistake they're given a job as a heart surgeon. Now you would hope that as they stood over the patient with a scalpel, they'd go, um... The thing is, to be honest, I don't really know anything about hearts and run out of the door. 
no normal organisation would employ someone like Home Secretary Suella Braverman. She said this week, I would love to have a front page of the Telegraph with a plane taking off to Rwanda. That is my dream. This would be a plane deporting people who have come here as refugees. See, some of us waste our dreams imagining that we're a singer or a champion tennis player, or some of us might dream of a lifetime of tranquility, gently fishing by a lake. But only Suella drifts off into a happy place of forcing people onto a plane to Rwanda. Maybe she has one of those tapes to help her get to sleep that goes, Your eyes are feeling heavy. You're floating, floating, floating over the clouds. Down below, you can see a plane on the way to Rwanda. There's a child. You can see her through the window. She's crying, sobbing, howling. They're all terrified. So everything's fine. Now let your toes feel heavy and calmly slip away into a peaceful sleep. And then in the morning, she remembers the image of a family climbing off a rubber boat that crossed the channel and being forced straight onto a plane. And she'll sigh, oh, I had the most beautiful dream. So for now, Liz Truss is carrying on. The rest of her party know she's crazy, but they don't know what to do. It's like the last days of someone's decline. For most days, we won't see her at all as she doesn't get up until two in the afternoon and then she drinks some paraffin and rolls a spliff and makes dinner out of a Weetabix and some tinned custards as that's all that's left in the cupboard. And occasionally, she'll crawl around the House of Commons growling, growth, 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 while Quasi Quarting doesn't speak to anybody for three months, although friends insist all he needs to be back to his normal, cheerful self is another royal funeral. What the fuck? This week, local radio presenters had one of their biggest moments when the Prime Minister decided to explain her policies on their programmes. So we're delighted that one of the presenters that she agreed to be interviewed by was the master of gently teasing out opinions, our very own Mike Concrete. What an honour this is. It's my stupendous pleasure to introduce someone we've all admired, and here she is, choosing to explain her policies exclusively on this show and 95 other local radio shows this morning. Good morning, Prime Minister. Uh, yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's been very difficult. Uh, thank you, and 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 we are here, and we are staying here, or there. Exactly. This is leadership. So, Prime Minister, may I give you the opportunity to explain why you have to do all this stuff that you're doing with the economy? Things have gone up. I, um, I for one, have bought cheese. So I understand the worry of hardworking who, um, who, 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 who work hard and want to keep their hard and their work. So that's why you're sticking with your plans in the budget and no one's going to change your mind, because you're tough like a proper man. Am I right? 
Now, I will absolutely, definitely carry on with my plans. If we don't, everyone will run out of marmalade by Wednesday. That's the spirit! You don't get guts like that from the French. That's why I am scrapping the plans that were in the budget. What? You said you were carrying on with them! No, I didn't. Anyway, I'm the Prime Minister. No, you're not. That's, That's enough, enough of, of that, that idiot. idiot. No wonder all our bees have died. Here's Michael Gove with the High Tide Times in Eastbourne. What the fuck is going on? Now, as anyone who has ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on, especially in these apocalyptic times, will testify. You need expert advice. And uh, our expert today is such an expert that she's been on here before. And uh, she did she, she did cure it all, really, but that was about a year ago. And oh. since then, I've, I've just forgotten all the advice. Esther Manito. Hello. Hello. Uh, I did sort it all out. You did oh, well, sort it out. I don't know. Now, that was about a year ago, wasn't it? And now, when you did sort of sort it out, you've got rid of Boris Johnson, but it's you know here we are now. It's like you know it's like Dino Rod have come round and gone. We sorted out your drains, but now you've got fucking crocodiles all up and down your house. <laughs> My little lad yesterday came around. He went, Do you know what? I think I preferred Boris, and I was like, how um, insightful. You're only yeah. seven. <laughs> oh, bless him. Bless him. Seven. God, he's got, if he looks after himself, he's got another 90 years of this shit to look forward to. Of it getting potentially worse, worse, each one worse. Yeah. Is it getting worse or is it just like, I don't know. I don't know if, you see, this is where I start. To, it's kind of like, I remember when I was a kid, sorry, I'm not articulating yeah. myself very well, but I remember when I was a kid, I used to think, what does it mean? What does the end mean if there is no physical end? Because I used to think about the universe and because I yes. think my teacher had said it's never ending. And I was like, but then that means the end doesn't mean anything. And it used to really stress me out. Yes. And I used to not be able to sleep. And now I think that our kind of political situation is very similar. Where I'm like, it's never ending. And we don't seem yeah. to have any rules or boundaries. And everything's just like, we can just go on into this chaos. And then we'll just keep putting the little puppets in. And we'll just keep, and they're not real people who don't really stand for anything. And we'll just let it keep on going. And you're like, no, that's actually really anxiety producing. Yes, it is a bit. I mean, I've heard sort of people who don't follow football at all talk about the what it, what that looks like to them. That every week there's a new important match and there's no end to it. And at the end of the season, immediately yeah. they're talking about next season and what players yeah, are coming in and out. why can't they just say... Millwall has won. <laughs> well, they can't say that because Millwall never have won. But but yes, I get your point. And I get our your streets point. will just be filled yeah. <laughs> with, with, a, with a sea of beautiful skinheads. All. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do just want one other thing because I, I very flippantly said, oh, yeah, it keeps getting worse. I don't actually think that because I, I, I think that that can keep um, that. that I don't, I'm not that pessimistic at all that it keeps getting worse, but you can see a sort of process where that's, where you could think that that's happening. Oh, the next one's even worse and it just keeps getting forever worse. I wonder if that always happened. I wonder if I, who was next after Genghis Khan in Mongolia? I wonder if there were people going, 
Oh, for fuck's sake, I never thought I'd bloody look back on Genghis Khan and think I wish we had him back, but this bloke I do, I think that now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a protest outside Parliament with a sign: "Bring back Genghis Khan." Bring back Genghis Khan. Well, at least he'd have wish a bit of authority, in, wouldn't he, when he was, was riding around Korea. on his horse? Yeah, <laughs> um, that would be yeah, cool, I know wouldn't what you it? Mean. And now the leader's coming in to give his speech. So none of me, none of this moving on up shit. He'd come on and <laughs> come on at his horse with a sword. Well, Fuck, you know, we're doing what he says. <laughs> A lot more people are related to him than they than they thought. Like people don't realise how many people are descendants of Genghis Khan. Is so, there one person in twelve in the world or something? So Liz Truss may well be a descendant of, although I don't get the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean oh. Keir Starmer definitely isn't. <laughs> oh God, Did imagine you see how him in- disappointed he'd be. If you had a reverse who do they think they are? And you could actually look at your the people who are descended from you. And Genghis Khan, oh my God, oh my God. I can't just mistrust and Keir Starmer. Oh, for Ke- fuck, oh, please don't Have tell me. Seen, like, please tell me you've seen that video of Keir Starmer in that boxing ring. Oh, it's no, like, haven't. oh, for the love of God, just show something. Just give the world something. He's got two boxing gloves and the lad in the boxing ring is like going, so all you do is you just punch the boxing bag and that's a punch. And Keir Starmer just goes, Egh. and he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that, but not, right? <laughs> oh, don't you think that I'm not going to you know, necessarily rush to the defence of Keir Starmer, but don't you think if you're a politician, you would you know what it's like as a comic, right, where you're much closer to that show busy world and sometimes you do something and you're you're suddenly in some publicity thing and they want you to do something mad. Right now, just wave your arms and pretend to be an octopus or something for some and you think, Oh, what am I doing? And I wonder if you think that as a politician, if you think Oh fucking hell! What have I got to do? I've come to, I've come and, I've got to drive well, a forklift been... truck or something. Well, you occasionally get somebody, I think, who's very passionate about what they're doing and why they're there. But I think on the whole, it, it's kind of like racehorses. They've been bred and they're just being geared up to this kind of position yes. of of working as a politician. So they're not really. I mean. You know, who's that? I can't remember. My memory is actually gone, by the way. I've got no memory anymore. So this is this is a joy. I just stand on the set just going, what? Who am I? Why am I here? Are those my feet? Um, <laughs> so who was the guy who used to always give those really empowered speeches in Parliament? Old guy, Labour MP. Tony Benn. Dennis Skinner. Well, Tony, Dennis Skinner, Tony Benn. No, but that people from Nora that ilk, Bevan. they felt... Yeah, right. they used to feel really passionate, and they'd give these. Yeah, yeah. just. I mean, there is that. There's a kind of. It's a. It's a lost kind of passion. Of you know, you got. If you look at this trust, I mean, that woman's changed her stance on stuff more times than I don't know what. I yeah, mean, she's literally yeah. like every day. She's like, "Oh, did I say that? No." I nah. think there are still passionate <laughs> politicians that that uh, that deliver passion. They're not necessarily all in the the Labour Party, but I am very much warm into your idea of of uh, politicians being bred like racehorses. Yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> in Ireland somewhere. So we're all lovely, or always lovely, we've got a little, little Liberal Democrat for you there. He's good, lovely. He's been out three times and he's, he's, come, he's come up with They're a very good... 
Yeah. <laughs> now, Suella Braverman, talking of the modern politician, and, uh, you know, so uh, the well-worn subject that politicians now, we used to have big, important ones. I'm sure there always were crazy, useless ones as well. But you'd go some to meet this woman. I'm just going to, I don't want to, uh, I want to do her justice. So she said, talking mm. about the plans to deport people to Rwanda, I would love to have a front page of the Daily Telegraph with a plane taking off to Rwanda. That's my dream. It's my obsession. Now, my question here, Esther, I, you know, I think that wanting to do that at all is problematic. Mm. <laughs> wanting to deport people to Rwanda, not something I'd entirely go along with. But that to be your dream and your upset of all the things you could dream about in life. Isn't that but, but really the, but what's her reasoning behind Yeah, that's a sick is she sick? But what's the what's the what's the argument behind it? What's the because she comes from a family of immigrants. She comes from a family who have immigrated from Mauritius and Kenya. Yeah. So what's her argument? that other people who have been born, who are, who are seeking asylum. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know how she would justify that. I suppose she would say yes, but we're, I, I, God knows. I don't know. Pretty Patel the same. But even she never thought of saying it's my, it's my dream. It's the bit it's my dream. See, that's I think sick. that's disturbing. And I don't know. I've been watching, as quite a few people have, uh, what is very brilliant, but I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, depending on what frame of mind you're in, that brilliant drama about Jeffrey Dharma, the serial oh. killer, and I, I then that right in the middle of that, celebrate. And I thought, God, if you had a serial killer program, and one of them was going, my dream, my dream is to deport people to Rwanda. Like, my know, dream, it's I my know, dream. I know he's been putting people's heads in the fridge, but bloody, that's crossing a line to say that that's your dream. Isn't but even it? with Jeffrey Dharma, he was like, I know I'm really ill. Can you just give me the electric chair now? That's what he said. Yes, exactly. He, he, did, he yeah, wanted yeah. someone yeah. to like kind of stop him in yeah. a way. Um, she, so Braverman's worse than him. <laughs> I think. Can we say that she's worse? She. I'm not joking. It's I think very, we can honestly very... say, psychologically speaking, she's worse than. But Jeffrey I find Dahmer. it. I find it a very weird thing to say. I mean, I, her parents <laughs> weren't fleeing war, but her parents did come here once the British Empire had kind of allowed the gold rush to extend um, to people to come over with British passports. So I think her argument is kind of like, yes, but we were we were in, we were invited rather than we've come here for asylum. And that's such a bizarre way to look at it. It's such a bizarre way to look at it, because whether you're coming to a country for seeking asylum, whether you're coming to a country because of economic reasons, there is a motive pushing you out of your home home environment. And I find it a very weird thing to feel that angry that you want people to be in absolutely dire straits. It's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, when people can just dehumanise completely other people and just go, they're not people. Yes, it is, it is astonishing. And that's why I'm not entirely joking when I say about the Jeffrey Dahmer thing, because I think there is a similar, obviously she's not, well, we don't know. If we we don't know, maybe she will. <laughs> Who knows the way it's going at the moment? Maybe in five years' time, when this lot are cleared out. Oh my God! There's on the news. There's all people in white 
suits and that, like when in ET, you know, with white with helmets and that, going around Downing Street. Fuck! Oh God, I've seen things in there today that no one will ever see. I'll never forget in my life. There's all <laughs> body parts coming out of fridges. But she doesn't just say it's her dream. She says it's my it's my dream. It's my obsession. Yeah, it's like my obsession. Stamp collecting. Mm. Like that's her. That's her. <laughs> yes. What a weird way to phrase it. It's, it's she's not even tried to use a constructed it? like political argument no. or anything. She's literally no, like, I just is, want to see that happen. It, it is quite literally. It is something that if you went to, I would imagine if you went to a shrink and you said, "My dream, my dream is to be on the front, is for it to be on the front page that people are being deported to Rwanda." I think that a shrink would be going, now, what's the etiquette here? Do I inform the authorities? <laughs> I think she just would slowly push the chair. Hopefully it's a chair on wheels. <laughs> yes. And she'd just slowly push it out the door and very slowly shut the door and be like, and not yeah. for me. <laughs> yes. So uh, now, even more important, it struck me this week, I don't know if you have any opinions on this, when I was watching uh, Strictly Come Dancing, which was its second uh, the second episode of this of series twenty, it turns out. Is it and, twenty series? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've watched. I've only really watched it when there's been either comics on it. Who you know, we we like to back our own tribe up, don't we? Or I did once vote every week for Susanna Reed when she was on it. it but I didn't actually watch it. But she's a Palace fan, uh, right? And I did watch Sean on it. Obviously, yeah. as he's a mate, Sean Walsh, and I can't remember how that turned out. Now, there are two comics on this time, Jade Adams and yep. Ellie Taylor, who are both very fine people. And, and uh, do you ever watch anything like that? And if you do, do you find yourself rooting for the for the comics? Yeah, Judy Love was on it, wasn't she, at one point? Was Judy Love on it? Have I gone mad? I don't know. My memory's starting I, to deteriorate. I don't know. I'm like sure. I say, it's not my area of expertise. I'm sure she was on Strictly. <laughs> yeah. You could say anything the... to Op, to be honest. You could I say, do you remember TV. when Franklin D. Roosevelt was on? <laughs> he was in his wheelchair. It was part do of the first Jeffrey disabled. Do you remember when Jeffrey Dahmer was on Strictly? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. He would. They would have someone like that on, wouldn't they? Would. they? And people they go, would. oh, I know what he's done in the past, but his Paso Doble, you can't fault it. Now, oh, right. Oh, we haven't got long to talk about this. So, okay. first of all, would you do it? Would I you would go do strictly? anything if I can afford a nice holiday after. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I do think Strictly would be a good way to get fit. And I can, I can imagine it's quite enjoyable. I think it would be. I, I don't know Ellie. Do I know Jade. And I'm definitely, you know, I'm rooting for Jade. I hope she has a really good time. I've never met Ellie. Uh, you know, she obviously yeah. likes her comedy and everything. But... Um, it is it is a weird thing that there's not really like famous comedians aren't really famous for doing comedy now. That's a bit of a weird thing. We don't really have stand up yes, on it, telly that much. No, no, no. Stand ups are supposed to exactly stand ups are supposed to do. Yeah, there'll be a thing. Dry stone walling series. You know, eight comics try and build a wall out of bits of rubble in the middle of Cumberland. Can I try and yeah, do a, one a of the funny that. shows? Nah, no, no. So, so you can you'll be a bit a whimsical, one, while you, yeah, yeah. That there's not really like stand up on TV anymore, and people aren't really watching stand up because I guess there's not that Saturday night sit down and watch the kind of you know stand up shows that you used to have with the one or two famous comedians. But now we just get lots and lots of people doing all sorts of things that don't seem to be massively related. 
So I suppose if you're starting a comedy career now, you don't really want to trouble yourself, go all the bother of trying to write a really right. funny hour that's going to be in front of a theatre and lots of people are going to laugh. Instead, well, you need to learn how to be sort of a little bit, a little bit comedic and a little bit jolly while you're keeping bees <laughs> for the beekeeping programme. <laughs> Where you and, I don't know. you and Bradley Walsh <laughs> and Ed Balls and Norman Lamont. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Lord Mary knows. Berry all keep bees. I mean, I think I've, I've kind of made my peace with the fact that I'm just going to write stuff and perform it to my little rooms of people that want to come and listen to it. But if someone said, here's, the, here's a whack of money, do Strictly course i would do it celebrity yes. coach trip yes excellent that is a, an excellent answer. and esther where can we see and hear your funny things you can follow me on social media and then uh, at esther manito and then if you want to have a listen to my absolute insane ramblings on ghastly women with lily phillips we're uh, on all the platforms for podcasts ghastly women Brilliant. Talk about women who do horrible things. We've done Liz Truss. (laughs) I'll do some other (laughs) Excellent. Brilliant. I should should just add, I would completely do Strictly Come Dancing. Wouldn't give it a minute's thought. Yeah, of course I would. For that money. My God. I actually just, I would just say, after I did Live at the Apollo, I took my cash and took all my family on a holiday to Jamaica, sat on the beach, bumped into Judy Love. She'd taken all the money from Strictly and was taking her kids to Jamaica too. So I was like... (laughs) Is that what's keeping the tourist industry going? Yeah. It's comics comics who've been on reality. Yeah. And if you've been on the dry stone wall in one, it don't get quite as much. But you can go to pool, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Esther. Now we know what the fuck's going on. You're more than welcome. Yeah, now you know. Many people have been enjoying the new series of Strictly Come Dancing, but there's a little-known story about Strictly which involves Her Late Majesty Queen Elizabeth. And who better to tell it than the man who witnessed it firsthand, Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chislehurst Hand Grenade. Well, I, I sat down at the weekend to watch the latest episode of Strictly Come Dancing, rather at the behest of my dear wife, Lady Chislehurst Hangrenade, who is a big fan of the tango, and it all rather brought back to mind a wonderful incident uh, during an evening, or oh, some 40 or so years ago, uh, during the demise of the state of Rhodesia, and uh, there was a buffet, was called, or a big luncheon of some sort, uh, in order to try and smooth the way with Mr Mugabe, Mr Robert Mugabe of Zanu P.F., rather somewhat of a Marxist, uh, who didn't quite see eye to eye with the with some of the sort of characters on our side of the our side of the stand, as it were. <laughs> and it was all a little bit frosty, and then out of nowhere her Majesty just leant across and said, Mr Mugabe, would you care to dance the Paso Doble? And I mean to, it was quite quite extraordinary because it turned out that during his stay in prison he had actually uh, done a done a bit of a spell of ballroom dancing. And the two of them went at it like hammer and tongs. They really were absolutely remarkable. And she was a wonder. She was an utter delight. She just saw it as a civic duty. And at the end of the evening, well, the judges, particularly Craig Revel Harwood, awarded her a ten, and everybody applauded, and uh, it was wonderful. And you know, from that day onwards, there was never a problem with Zimbabwe 
ever again. It's really, and it was all down to Her Majesty. She really was remarkable. <laughs> and you know, some years later, when the program uh, started to be on the BBC, and uh, they asked her to be one of the judges, but I mean, she was tied up with uh, repairs to Windsor Castle or some such. But uh, what a remarkable lady she was! <laughs> Thank you so much to the growing hordes of people who are supporting us on Patreon. And you are now uh, mathematically a horde. It's because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. And we're very nearly there. If you would like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. uh, And there you'll be. Or if you really want to know what's going on for just £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode. No ads. There's nowhere in this world with no ads other than ad-free podcasts. <laughs> uh, and that uh, and that also has extended interviews, bonus sketches this week. There's a return of Nadine Boris, who's, uh, it turns out, isn't a fan of Liz Trust. We're very, very proud to have her on the podcast. Uh, and you get it on Sunday nights. Uh, otherwise, you have to wait until Monday morning, and that's critical. Um, so go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community, as we are now officially called uh, in the International Global Register of communities someone on our twitter account did suggest that fans of the podcast should be known as fuckers but i you know call me old-fashioned i think we're going to settle for what the fe's part of the what the fe community um and you could be part of that now a few announcements as ever on monday october the 17th i will be doing our first Ask me anything session, and you will be able to ask me absolutely anything, and I will provide the answer as long as uh, the answer isn't libelous or defamatory, or I don't know the answer. And probably anything you ask, all three of those things will apply. But uh, but even so, it'd be worth asking them. Uh, all you have to do to take part in this uh, magnificent evening is become one of our Patreon supporters for four pounds or more a month, and you will be able to ask me anything. Also, I've got some shows coming up if you want to come and see me in, uh, oh, I'm going up north, all sorts of places, Northallerton, Barnard Castle, Hexham. I think they're sold out, but I don't know. Uh, there's a few, I think. Sometimes they keep 10 back or something. I don't know why they do that. I'm really bad at selling these things, aren't I? You know, you get these people who are really brilliant. Hi! Hey, I'm coming up to Hexham on March the 23rd. It's going to be great. I've got so... I'm really not like that. I'm coming up there. I'm probably... Anyone listening to this, if you've already got tickets, you're probably going to put them on Twickets and set. And not even bother if nobody gives you the money, aren't you? Uh, but, no, they'll be great. Well, I don't know if they'll be great shows. They will almost certainly be really good shows. I don't fucking... I'm not going to tell you how brilliant I am, am I? I'll just think that. Uh, so... Uh, oh, I know that. Where is it? Kettering. It's a huge place I'm doing in Kettering. More than I deserve. Uh, so, yeah, you can come along there. So, if you can't get into the North Allerton show and you live in North Allerton, come down to Kettering. It's only six or 700 miles and, uh, and come to that one. Now, also, 
Uh, also, you can hear all the BBC on BBC Sounds app. You can now hear all of the in-town shows, including the Paris one in French. I was very pleased to see that somebody sent me a message congratulating me on my use of the subjunctive tense. And that generally is mostly what you're you're aiming for with a comedy show. Uh, now, many people have been sending in questions, what the fuck is going on? For example, Mavis D on Patreon says, Liz Truss said how awful it was in the 1980s with boarded up shops and people turning to drugs. Right, so she's promoting a return to Thatcherism. Exactly, just to, just to sort of, uh, so, so that we don't think that Mavis is making this up. What she said, Liz Truss, was, I grew up in the 1980s, which were characterised by boarded up shops, people with no hope turning to drugs, families struggling to put food on the table. So Liz Truss is going, I know what it was like in the socialist, woke, liberal days of bloody trying to reduce inequality and Marxism, the 1980s. So this suggests that Liz, either, as Mavis says, Liz Truss is, is suggesting that we have a tur- we what we need is more boarded up shops and people turning to drugs, or she is under the impression that Margaret Thatcher was a sort of Jeremy Corbyn prototype, probably even more left wing than him. Now, which of those two it was? It's one of those two, Mavis. I grant you that it's one of them, but. Uh, which we can't say, I suspect that next week Liz Truss will say, I remember the chaos of the first week of October 2022 when Britain was run by a fruit bat prime minister who wrecked the economy in one afternoon and £65 billion had to be found in order to make sure the pound didn't collapse like somewhere in Central America in 1935. And we don't ever want to return so that madness. That'll be her speech next week. Well spotted, Mavis. Someone called Tatty Jacket on Twitter says, have you seen this? A huge mass orgy has been planned for Kiev. Should the red button be pressed? Uh, and here is a uh, an article that says, according to multiple reports, multiple reports, more than 15,000 people have signed up for, according to this article, getting steamy for uh, taking part in an orgy on a hill close to the capital of Kiev, should Vladimir Putin decide to heat things up a bit himself, it says, in the form of a nuclear bomb. Oh, there are so many, so many things going on here, aren't there? Also, the idea that you have to sign up for the orgy, really, that's the first thing that you've signed up for it. So supposing the nuclear bomb does go off and you think, I don't know how much time that leaves you for an orgy. Probably, I'm not an expert on orgies, but they probably take longer than it's going to take to get up to the hill and do what you're going to do there. But even then, if you imagine if you got there, that would be a very British situation. Well, I'm afraid that I've looked in our records and you didn't sign up and there was a 15,000 limit. The fucking... Bo- the, you don't see the mushroom cloud. The fallout's going to be here in 35 seconds. Yes, well, what I suggest you can do, if you write to the town hall, I know that it's not going to be open until Monday and then... Going to be rather irradiated, but nonetheless, that is the regulations. Um, 
one of the uh, one of the local residents told Radio Free Europe that the action is the opposite of despair, saying even in the worst case scenario, people will look for something good. That's the mega optimism of Ukraine. That's too mega optimistic, Ukraine. I suspect that you've been all, all you're all on antidepressants. Probably that's what's caused that. Part of this must be, it comes from Zelensky, doesn't it? He's a comic. We've mentioned this on this podcast before. Uh, and I, I think that's sort of like, yeah, you've got to look for the joke, nuclear bomb. Sign up for an orgy. Finally, a special, special, special thank you to this week's star Patreon supporters uh, who have signed up for the for the maximum thingy. Jonathan Davis, bless you. Not Jonathan Davis, the Welsh rugby player, I would imagine, um, but very much welcome, even if you are. And Harry Nangle, which is a wonderful, wonderful sort of... Um, a wonderful name that I think you would get in in Dickens. Uh, what would he do, Harry Nangle? It wouldn't be good, I'm afraid, Harry. Uh, I do want something. It's possible that some people are making this up. You know, like Bart Simpson when he rings up the the Moe's Bar and says, "You know, is there a huge ass?" That sort of thing. Uh, but even if you do, bless you all. Thank you very, very much for becoming part. You're already part of the WTF community. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now, as anybody knows, if they've ever tried to find out what the fuck is going on, you need not just expert advice, but advice from across the generations. And in these difficult times, as we head towards an apocalypse, then obviously you need the youth on your side. And that's why I bred someone some 26 and a bit years ago so that they could be my my little voice from the younger generation. Elliot Steele. Hello. Hello. Are you ready to be the voice of wisdom in these? As, as ever. What do you think of this now? What do you blame the older generation when you see all these this chaos? Yes. Yeah. But now, see, I'm now at a point where I'm not. I'm not the same generation anymore as the people in charge. This trust is much younger than me. I feel slightly. Is she? Yeah, she's younger than me by miles. Don't look it. Thank you. That wasn't that wasn't a compliment to you. Well, I'm going to take it as a compliment that my son thinks that I don't look older than the prime minister, who's mental. So I think that's good. But that's like going. But that's like finding out the lady down the road who drinks white ace and keeps pigeons in her pockets is younger than you. It's not. <laughs> it's not good. Younger than you. It's not like oh yeah yeah oh do you, you know I'm the I'm Evan Evan Peters. You look like Evan Peters. Oh no, that yeah, no, that would be like a, a compliment. Oh like oh Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, that would be you don't look older than Chris Hemsworth. What? That's amazing. But when it's when it's Liz Truss, it's a Yeah. It's a slightly stale cake. Well I, yeah, but on the other hand, imagine what it's like when you find out that you are actually twenty four years older than the woman who keeps pigeons in her pockets. <laughs> That's quite <laughs> That's quite alarming. When you find out that you're 18 <laughs> years older than the Home Secretary, <laughs> I'm probably older than Jacob Rees-Mogg. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that's terrified, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. But on the other end, I mean, I often think that. I often feel sort of like quite, oh, uh, like a little bit, oh, God, I feel like the young person who doesn't quite, oh, should I say anything? I'm a little bit out of place. Just young person like me, I still feel like that. And then I find out that the person I'm thinking that about is 29 years younger than me. 
Oh, I've been told that Jacob Rees-Mogg is 53. Fucking Jesus. Yeah, but that you've got to remember that. I am so much older than Jacob Rees-Mogg, who most people, if you said to most people, how old is Jacob Rees-Mogg? They'd go, oh, well, let's see. Must have been around in Victorian times. So I guess he's about 174. But And I'm older but than But is him. that 53? Is that in our years or in demon years? We have to know what years that's in. Because <laughs> that, if it's yeah, demon exactly. years, then that's very difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Oh, right. Well, that leads us on to the subject of the, our day, which is uh, energy, right? So energy, we're, uh, we're all going to be short of energy. We know that. Ukraine, that's not going to be sorted by January, is it? Yeah, but even then, we're not going to get all It the, depends what you mean by sorted. We're not going to get the energy back from Russia, are no, we? No, but, by but January. I, think, I think nuclear annihilation is it sort of being sorted. That, that the problem, Well, it might do. The I problem's mean, gone. If we're all dead from nuclear bombs, mm. that yeah. would that would that would solve right. it. Imagine if you'd spend, or if we spend all winter bloody sitting in pullovers and and just sort of freezing the whole time and sitting in the dark to save energy, and then in March there's a nuclear war and we need a bomb. Fucking typical, wouldn't it? It'd be typical. No, do you know what? Do you know what will happen? England will get to the final of the World Cup against the team we can win, and then there'll be like we'll be, we'll be about to win it, and then there'll be a nuclear war. That will be oh Christ! Ten minutes from the end of full time. Yeah, we're four 0 up with the, with for some uh, with a missile that's gone astray because Putin's ones are probably a bit lopsided and a bit old, and it's gone astray and it lands in the centre circle of the final. <laughs> yeah, uh, that'll be. Uh, Right, and on the off chance that doesn't happen, right, we're going to have to preserve energy. We've all got to do that. Everybody do that. You've got to be extremely wealthy now to just not care and carry on as you were. So what do you reckon on that? Was Is that something that your generation is thinking, all right, yeah, we need a, we need to use less? For, for price or, or or because of the – for price, yeah, but for environment. Yeah, for both, yeah. Well, for price, yes, but for the environment, like there are sources of energy that we can use. It's just that we uh, allow oil companies on the board of, you know, to back up the people who are politicians, and they back both sides. So, oh, right. Anyway, that wasn't really what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about the turning off the the. Heat. No, yeah, yeah, got to do that. Yeah. yeah, but luckily we've heated up the planet so much now that it's quite nice in October. No, it's not, it's, yes, it's not you know. So it sort of works yeah, it out. About. It's like we had a bit of foresight there. We've got a radiator that can't ever turn oh, off. Yeah, no, that's, that's going to bleed you dry. I don't know what to do if I had plumbers around. Nobody can turn yeah, the fucking no, thing off. Is, it's like that some, is, who would have thought that? It's like something out of a, a, a horror film. Yes, that's it, Mr. Steele. That should all be all right. That's all done. Yeah, thank God for that. As soon as he's gone. <laughs> like the ring. <laughs> Once a w- once a week it comes on. There'll be a creature will come out with like long hair down in front of her who's lived in the radiator for a hundred and eight years. Have you years. settled the energy bill? Like, are you just going to let them charge you, or have you settled for a price? Well, you have to pay what they say, don't no, you? Because you, you can it's not do like a Turkish where, market. No, it is because it's not like the Turkish market, but there is an in between <laughs> where, where where you can go. No, I'm not giving you that much. How much for a kilowatt? No, but nah, like, come here, like, off, mate. They give no, you a no, fixed no, I'm rate. I'm going to British Gas. You're having a laugh, mate. 
Uh, no, no, come back, come back. I told you maybe I do better. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, like a fixed rate. So they might go, for the winter, we'll charge you this amount and that's the amount we charge. Right. Rather than, you know, going... Oh, I can't be bothered to haggle with them. Well, you are about to go bankrupt. What have they done? You are, you have, you have, honestly, go, you are going to, you are going to have the house, the house is going to be repossessed by the banks. And then, and then the bank's not going to be, this, this radiator could take the entire economy down. Because then the bank's not going to be able to afford to look after it. Causing, causing a banking crash. That's going to pull hedge funds. That entire economy is going to be trashed by your radiator. Well, someone needs to come and sort it out then. Your your radiator is it's going to it's going to crash the world banking system. I don't know what to do about it. I've tried everything. You have. I tried. I tried having a look at it as well. I mean, it's on in the middle. It was the only radiator in Britain that was on this July when people were going, how much more of this sweltering heat can we take? People are literally crawling around like like as if they're in the desert. Water, water. And at that precise moment, Britain has hit 45 degrees for the first time in history. And I've got a fucking <laughs> radiator on. I'm just never not going to do it. <laughs> They must in the national grid. They must have been looking. This one little red bubble here in the whole country. Every single thing is turned off, except this. But this, this kitchen in Crystal Palace. <laughs> right. Well, we, I suppose we better make another effort to yeah, turn it off. Can, then uh, you can listen to my all opinions about this on B Tech Philosophers, my own podcast. But yeah, I think I think we. Better. You had a prisoner on there this week. Yeah, no, an ex-prisoner. Oh, right. yeah. We, we didn't have a, a, an ex-convict. He was very good. Jay, he was a very nice lad. Yeah, okay. But, but what had he done? Conspiracy to throw... A, uh, conspiracy to, like, throw an explosive at someone. Oh, is that all? Well, you can listen to that on uh, B-Tech Philosophers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but he's a very funny comedian. He's, got, he's a starting stand-up. He's a very funny lad. Yeah. Well, a lot of good it's going to do him if he becomes really famous, makes loads of money, and then has to spend it all on an electric bill because there's a radiator that's just <laughs> gone rogue. <laughs> Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have liked it, then please rate it. And if you could be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, absolutely, definitely write a review. And in fact, quite soon there will be legislation to compel that. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. And we will do our best to look at all the messages. No, we will look at every single message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad free extended versions for as little as two pounds a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Esther Manito and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? Was brought to you by WTF Productions. 